Great, but Romans chapter 4 is on page 941, and I'll read all of it. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to his flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he's got something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith, while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that righteousness would be counted to them as well, and to make him the father of the circumcised, who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law but through the righteousness of faith. For it is the adherents of the law, sorry, for if it is the adherents of the law who are to be heirs, faith is now and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath. But where there is no law there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring not only to the adherents of the law but also the one who shares the faith of Abraham who is the father of us all. As it is written, I've made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom we believed who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that don't exist in hope Abraham believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told so shall your offspring be he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old 
or when you consider the barrenness of Sarah's womb, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith is counted to him as righteousness. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Now I wonder if you could... Uh, keep that finger in your Bible and the children are going to go off uh, in a large group today to uh, be with uh, Hannah and uh, so off they go with her and we'll pick up in a minute where we left off. But let's go back to Romans chapter 4 and uh, have another look and you might think well there's lots there that I don't understand can I just say at the end of our talk if there are still lots that you don't understand we get a chance to ask questions so okay see if uh, you can remember the questions and we can try and answer them but I'm going to start with a question what is a Christian and how do you become one and what's good about being Christian now those aren't difficult questions lots of people have got uh, answers for them. But when you look at the book of Romans, we see that normal answers can be wrong. The normal answers could be that uh, Christians are good people, they learn how to please God by reading the Bible and doing the Bible. And yet when you look at chapters 1 to 3, you realize you can do all those things and not be a Christian. Now, when I say a Christian, Let's just understand that the letter that we're talking about here uses a different word. When I say Christian, just remember, the word that the letter the Romans uses is a righteous person. Okay, so if you can just remember, whenever you hear righteous person or that word righteous, we're talking about someone who's a Christian. Keep those two together in your mind. And we wonder, therefore, what is a righteous person? And chapter 4 gives us the answer. You might think these are very complicated bits of the Bible to look at, but they're answering very easy, simple, everyday questions. What is a righteous person? And the simple answer, and it can't be more simple than this, is look at a person called Abraham. And if you understand the story of Abraham, very quickly you'll understand what a righteous person is and why it's great to be one. He's the very, very first believer in the Bible and you can see in chapter 4 verse six, uh, 16 he's like the dad of all believers uh, because he is uh, the father. Uh, um, in verse 16 he um, he becomes uh, the father of us all. And so all believers, all normal believers are like him. And that's why the first thing I want to say in the first heading 
is that he is Mr. Normal. He's a normal bloke, married to a normal old bird called Sarah, who can't, and neither they can't have kids. And God picked him up at the very start of the Bible, all the way at the very beginning, the very first book, Genesis uh, and chapter 15. And he makes Abraham a promise that this old man and his old wife, who can't have any children, will have a family as big as the stars in the sky. And uh, I want to take you into the replay, so keep your finger in Romans uh, chapter 4 and turn to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis, right at the very beginning, unless you happen to be uh, from Iran, in which case uh, you go the other way to the end. And uh, in Romans chapter 15, you can see the idea of not having any children is a worry for this man. I meant, what did I say? I, thank you very much. Um, so it is very confusing. Genesis 15, the very first book of the Bible. And I just want to read to you the first seven verses because I think uh, they'll help us. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Fear not, Abraham, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abraham said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look towards heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. And then he said to them, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness and he said to him I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess so there's Abraham and uh, God comes to him and he makes him a promise and Abraham believes the promise and God says you are a righteous person because he simply believed what God promised him when there was absolutely no chance that promise was going to happen. Now, have you spotted... If you take your hand back out and then... Uh, if, uh, you, have you noticed that it is God who makes Abraham a righteous person. He does that because he makes Abraham a promise. It wasn't as if God opened up a window in heaven and he said, okay, who will believe me down there if I told you that you're going to have a family like the stars in the sky? And everybody who heard God open the window and shout, 
looked at each other and they all shook their heads no but Abraham put his hand and said oh God I'll believe you and God says okay well there's a righteous person no one else didn't work like that God picks a very specific person and makes his promise to him that's what made Abraham a believer by God giving him a promise to believe if he didn't have a promise he wouldn't be a believer he'd have nothing to believe it's a bit like me saying to Natalie I'm going to make you a cup of coffee after this service and Natalie has a look at me and she thinks well I, I believe he will do that he's just about capable of making me a cup of coffee and he's just about capable of remembering a promise at the end of this service I'm not making that promise because no one's having coffee we're all going for a curry but um, if I had made that promise to Natalie it would make a believer of her because she knows that I would only say that if I was able to do it and and therefore she would trust me to keep my promise my promise would make a believer if I didn't make the promise the idea of me doing that for her would never even enter her head so God makes believers by giving you the promise and of course uh, it uh, is um, a no-brainer to, to accept it and all Abraham did all God did was to Abraham was make him a prophet or a promise and all Abraham did was to believe that promise and God immediately says you are a righteous person it was counted to him as righteous that's saying the same thing God declares him to be righteous or if you want a really big word God declares him to be justified declares him that he is a just person and so uh, God does that and he counts it to Abraham as righteousness. You can't miss that point that God says just on the basis of believing a promise you are righteous. Nothing else needed. You see that in verse 4. Um, now to the one uh, who works um, uh, sorry in verse, in verse 3 Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and David also speaks the best of the one who whom God counts righteousness without him having to do anything apart from works and the promise that we believe that God will do that is there entirely in verse 5 that we believe God can take a very ungodly person and say to that person you are a righteous person God says it and that is what makes a righteous person a righteous person and you might think okay uh, I think I understand it so far but I'm just slightly confused because I always thought that Abraham wasn't just a Mr. Normal person he was a Mr. Jewish person and therefore you know how does that help us because none of us are Jewish we're what the Bible would call Gentiles so how does Abraham become a righteous person he's got a head start hasn't he he's got an advantage over us and what Paul goes on to say in, uh, in this next bit is that um, uh, Abraham was a righteous person 
in Genesis chapter 15 before he became what we might say a Jew. He became a Mr. Circumcised person in chapter 17. So Abraham was really the first Gentile believer. And uh, he was someone who didn't do anything at all to impress God. He didn't uh, get circumcised or anything like that so that God would uh, look on him with favour. So don't think that we need to somehow score points before God says you are a righteous person. In fact, David tells us the opposite. If you look at verses 7 and 8, he's really saying how uh, David had broken the law pretty spectacularly. He'd committed adultery, he'd murdered the woman's husband that he'd committed adultery with, and yet this man David, having done all these awful things, God says is still righteous. He counts righteousness apart from works. And once God says, you are a righteous person, you know what follows? What follows is that your lawless deeds are forgiven and your sins are covered. That's what David says in verse 7. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. So let me tell you, you may be an ungodly person in a David kind of way. But God can treat you as a righteous person. Tonight, tomorrow, all this week. Whatever you do in terms of ungodliness, God is able to forgive and cover and treat you as Mr. Righteous. And so therefore... Mr. And so therefore uh, Abraham sees that that is the case and David backs him up and says, yes, God did that with me. He covered my sins and he forgave my transgression. So what's the second thing we want to learn? First, that Mr. Abraham is Mr. Normal showing any normal person how they can be righteous with God, whatever they've done. Trust what God promised about the future even though we think it's impossible. But here's the second thing. What are the benefits of being a righteous person? Abraham is Mr. Normal. What does he get? Well, you could look at verse 13 and tell me. It says, for the promise to Abraham in his offspring is that he would be the heir of the world. Mr. Normal person is going to be ultimately the Mr. World person who will get uh, the whole world. That's really important for us to understand because we think what's waiting for us if we are like Abraham, if we trust God, we think what's waiting for us is a resurrection. That's a pretty big thing. Death will not kill us. The resurrection will kill death. We'll be living beyond this life. We might think that's the big gain. But the Bible tells us that that is, the resurrection is only a stepping stone into something far bigger than that to receive this world. See, God's intention at the start, when he made the world, is that it would be populated with righteous people. But Abraham, Adam and Eve didn't listen to God, they were unrighteous. And we have been unrighteous like them. 
But God's determination is still to ultimately have a world with righteous people filling it. And so therefore what he does is he brings a new humanity, if I can put it like that. He gives Abraham such a big family that one day they will populate the whole of this world. Only it will be the new world that God makes and puts them into. And we can see how he did that if you know Mr. Abraham's story. Remember, once upon a time, God promised Abraham that he would be given, his family would be given, a solid plot of land to live in. We came to call it the land of Israel eventually. At that time it was the land of Canaan. And so God made this promise to Abraham that uh, although he didn't own any of that land, he wandered around in it a bit like a tourist, seeing where everything was and seeing what everything was like. He didn't actually own anything, he was just sort of uh, going around the place, exploring it. But although he didn't own any of it, ultimately that promise was kept and his blood family went to live in that land. They took the whole thing over. Now, what we need to remember is the little picture of God's, uh, Abraham's blood family taking over a, a concrete, solid bit of land was, if you like, a little bit of a preview of the day when Abraham's faith family, if we can call it that, will one day take over the world. And you can see how that is the case in, I think, chapter 4, verse 17, where he's called the father of many nations. That's ultimately where the future is going. Now, sadly, this blood family of Abraham also show us not just how God keeps his promises to give them the land that he promised, but sadly, his blood family also show us the wrong way to try and stay in touch with God. Because what they did was they tried to impress him by what they did. They took his commands and they said what we're going to do is we're going to try very hard to keep these commands and then God will call us, say, say that we're righteous because we're keeping these commands. The trouble is that those commands were never given to them to show them how to be right with God the whole purpose of God's commands in the Bible is to show people how wrong we are and therefore how it would be right for God to be angry with us. You see that in chapter 4 verse 15, don't you? Uh, um, uh, no, I'm sorry, verse, yes, verse 15. For the law brings wrath. It's a bit like that uh, 30 mile per hour speed limit sign. It's there to show that we are lawbreakers. Now, sure enough, every now and then we might just slow down and go past it at 30, especially if it's got a camera parked right next to it. But most of the time, I bet every single driver in this room has driven past a 30 mile per hour speed limit doing more than 30. True? Um, it's okay, you're not being recorded, you're not going to be punished, you can be honest. And that 30 minute 
speed limit sign is there to show us that we are horrible lawbreakers. We're not law keepers. And so therefore, if we try and impress, the, impress God by saying we keep the law, when actually we've broken it so many times, we provoke God to more anger than anybody else. I read it again. The law brings wrath. They weren't like Abraham at all. To be like Abraham, you've got to trust God to keep his promises. And that's when God says you are righteous. Not when you keep the law. Now, what's that got to teach all of us? Let's just uh, uh, think it through in a very practical way. First, I guess if you're not a Christian, isn't it true that nearly everybody believes that at the end of this life we go somewhere better? Have you heard that language? At funerals, at least they're in a better place. Most people think that, don't they? We've got some idea of, of something in front of us. And for most people, we think we'll get to that better place because we're nice people. We never hurt anyone. And Abraham is there to show us that actually that doesn't work. The only way anyone can be righteous is by trusting God. That if we just simply believe what he tells us about the future and start basing our lives on that, he one day will give us the whole world. And we said, no, that's really hard to believe. It's much easier for me to believe that God will do something good if we have been good. It's actually quite a hard thing to believe that God will do that just because I believe his promise. You think, you think it's hard? Let me tell you, Abraham thought it was really hard. When he was told as old man that he was going to have a whole new country that his family would live in, do you think he found it easy? No, it tells us actually in verse 18, doesn't it, that actually in hope he believed against hope that he would become the father of many nations. In other words, it was just entirely against everything that you could ever imagine that this would happen and yet that's exactly what happened. Trust God the way Abraham did. That's what the Bible is telling us tonight. And it is really interesting that you can uh, uh, trust God uh, even when he was absolutely weak in verse 19. Although he was as good as dead, he believed here was a God who can give life to dead things. And if you think it was hard for Abraham, it's a lot easier for us because we can see that actually he did keep his promises to Abraham. He did give life to dead things. They had a child. And in the end, that child inherited that country in his family. And we believe that God gives life to dead things because at the end of chapter 4 we can see that Jesus, uh, in verse 24, was raised from the dead. 
and he was delivered for our trespasses and raised for our righteousness or for our justification to show us what it's like with a God who can give life to dead things. I know it's hard to trust him and believe that his promises will come true. Be like Abraham and trust that he will keep what he says even though it might seem impossible. What about if you've been to church lots in the past? And in the churches that you've been to, you've heard lots of pastors giving lots of inspirational talks about how you can keep God's law, how important it is, and encouraging you to keep God's law as much as you can. I won't ask you whether you've ever been to a church like that, but my guess is all of us have. Now can I show you a really interesting thing? By showing you, to ask you to think very carefully about chapter 4 verse 15 that tells us that the more we try and keep God's law, the more angry God will be. Because in the end, none of us do that and we're trying to find another way to be righteous rather than God's way to be righteous. God gets really angry. Maybe try and inspire ourselves to be better people just to uh, pass his test. So it is a strange thing, isn't it, that uh, um, listening to pastors can make God very angry. Um, but that's what will happen if you listen to pastors who tell you to keep God's law. What's far more helpful for us is to get pointers to uh, uh, Abraham rather than getting God, uh, God's anger come on us with pastors bringing us under God's anger because they're telling us to keep God's law that we should have the pointer to Abraham there's only one way to be righteous and that is like him and yeah we ask her to take a cut off later and uh, it might be just helpful for us to, to think through what if you are already one of Abraham's children I want to suggest there are three things that you can really enjoy if you're one of Abraham's children. If you're a real Christian, three things you can enjoy. The first is being united as part of a great family that God has created in those who trust him. So it is very easy, isn't it, in a church to all be sitting in one place together but not to feel united with each other. We can feel, can't we, that there are some people doing better than we are. And we can feel that there is this pecking order, there are these people who are just well up with God and we are somehow messed up and we are not like them. Have you felt like that? And it's important for us to understand that actually if you take the story of the Bible seriously you understand that we are all pretty messed up. And the wonderful unity that we have with each other is that we can humbly see that all of us, the only reason why any of us are acceptable to God is because God has made us righteous just by trusting him. None of us have outperformed the other. 
That's not the reason why we're united. We're united because all of us have been on the receiving end of a gift. It's a wonderful thing to, to be able to come into a family knowing that you're messed up and they're messed up and we're all nonetheless loved by a, a Heavenly Father because He has made us righteous and He will keep His promises. Not because we've outshone, outshone anybody else. Enjoy the unity that comes from humbly seeing that we're all uh, receivers of a great gift. All of us um, have had to have our, our uh, uh, transgressions forgiven and our sins covered. And it's lovely to be united on that basis. Secondly, enjoy the thought of inheriting the world. Can you see how that can be a real help to think that one day all of this will be yours? I'll tell you why it's such a help. It's because all of us feel that uh, we uh, want uh, as much as we can get in this life. We all want to sort of cram in as much good stuff as we can into our experience to buy up every bit of happiness that we can get from here or there and uh, to, to, to live and max out life to the full. Can you see that when you understand that all of this one day will be yours, it lets you, uh, gives you a certain amount of freedom from that? You don't need to go and try and bind to every experience that you can get hold of because one day it's all going to be yours. And therefore, you can say, okay, I won't have that experience. Instead of getting everything that you can, you can start giving, you can start living generously. Because you're not going to be losing out. It's all going to be yours. That's why I think it's true, if you look at the Bible, that uh, we are right to reject the prosperity gospel that many people believe in, that somehow if you're in with God, he'll give you everything uh, that you want here and now. I think we can reject the prosperity gospel because it's not prosperous enough. Why is it prosperous to have every good thing just for five minutes? There's a bigger prosperity than that the Bible promises. The whole world is going to be yours. Enjoy the promise that God gives. Don't limit it to a few days. And then thirdly, enjoy that God can do what you can't do. You might think that you are really weak. And that all these things and this future and this righteousness of God can't really be yours because you're not really up to it. I want to show you how really Abraham uh, felt so weak in verse 19 of chapter 4. Uh, you can see how uh, Abraham uh, had a very weak body. It was as good as dead. He was about 100 years old. And uh, his wife's womb was weak, it was barren. But can you see wonderfully, on either side of verse 19, which is full of weakness, are verses about God's power and strength. So in verse 17, uh, uh, you, you hear God says, God has made them the father of uh, uh, many nations, 
and he gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that don't exist. Yes, before your weakness, there's uh, Abraham's weakness, there's God's power, and it's there after Abraham's weakness as well in verse 21. Fully convinced that God is able to do what he has promised. God can deliver, even though Abraham is weak. And it's really helpful for us to put our our weakness, if you like, between these bookends of God's power. He can do what you don't think you can do. It's a wonderful uh, truth to get close to. So your, your confidence is based 100% on what God is able to do. Don't think it's 99% what God is able to do and 1% up to what you can do because if you have to contribute 1% of righteousness you never be sure that you've got there it's got to be 100% God he is the one who is able to bring life to dead things and to give you that uh, assurance and the way we gain in that assurance and grow in it is uh, there in verse 20 Abraham grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. That's the great thing to do. Really, really thank him that this God has made you into a righteous person right now if you are one of Abraham's children, trusting his future the way Abraham did, even though it seems impossible. And God looks at you and he says, that is a righteous person and I'm going to treat you as a righteous person tomorrow, the day after and for the rest of your life because you're one of Abraham's children. You trust what I say about the future and you give me glory because you trust me to do that. And the more, if you do this on a, on a good day when you're feeling, if you like, strong in your faith and you understand that God is so good wonderful that he makes his promises and you're overcome by them and you can thank God and glorify God for them and you can say thank you God that you are such a great God that you would do such things yeah do it on the good day but especially do it on the bad day when you feel so weak that you think come on, I'm good as dead in this whole Christian life thing how on earth is God going to do this with me it's a wonderful thing to be able to say on the worst day. No, I won't look at my body. I won't look at my feelings. I won't look at uh, every evidence of failure that I've got in me. What I'm going to do is I'm going to, I don't feel like I can. I don't feel like I'm righteous. But I'm going to praise God and praise God and praise God until those feelings come into my heart because I want to rejoice in what God has given me, what God has said to me, what God has promised me. I want to f go on with that until joy comes into my heart, becomes part of my experience. Now my friends, I'm not very good at uh, doing that. And I've, I'll therefore need you to come along to me on my bad days and say to me, Mike, I know you're feeling down. I know you've 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 you failed. But I want to tell you right now, Mike. Please, will you remember that you are righteous? It doesn't come from you. 
God has declared you to be righteous, will you please hold on to that today when you don't think you are? Will you please believe this future that God hasn't changed his mind about you? I need you to come and do that with me and you probably need me and others to come and do that with you. On your weekdays when you think you're rubbish and you're not really um, making it, that you are the most unrighteous person that you know, that's what David felt like, and you need your Christian brothers and sisters to gather around you, to hug you, to love you, to say this is God's love for you. He declares you're righteous. Let me tell you, your transgressions have been covered, your sins have been forgiven. God counts righteousness apart from works. Now that is the message that the Bible wants us to soak in deeply tonight. I want to suggest it's a really good one. It's not the easiest one to, to take in and remember. This is on tape if you want to go back and listen to it again. But at the moment, let's have a moment where we maybe just take a minute. If you're someone who's just done the church thing and so far in your life you've just done the I'm going to try harder and harder and harder thing that he said, Lord, I don't want to be on the receiving end of your anger for me trying to, to get to righteousness that way. <coughs> Please, will you help me to get to righteousness your way by trusting what you say in the future, that I might be a child like Abraham and be righteous uh, uh, as far as you're concerned. It may be that you're already a believer and these things... Uh, are, are theoretical in your head but not in your heart. Why don't you spend one minute just simply glorifying God, growing strength as you glorify him for his promises to you and what his righteousness means.